This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Happy August long weekend, golf fans. Good morning and welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zucchino is off. He is on Olympic duty. And Bob, speaking of the Olympics, my goodness, the Olympic men's golf. We'll discuss this in in-depth detail because it happened in the middle of the night on Saturday. And you and I, we, we cover golf for a living. We watch golf every week but in terms of entertainment value that final round in my opinion anyway was as good as it gets yeah and I, and I said, well, uh, we will um, dissect this a little bit more but uh, overall it was wild to see uh, the winner to see the runner-up to see the low rounds on sunday to watch the canadians playing and uh, you know Corey connor's the two really good rounds on the weekend the seven-way playoff, which we'll get into in a little bit, that may have been the most exciting and, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say weird, but like intriguing part of the whole whole deal. And as Rory said, you know, I, I've never played so hard to try and finish third in my career. So, I mean, there was a lot to dissect. And if you were a person, if you were a player, a PGA Tour player or a fan who really didn't like the old the idea that uh, golf was in the Olympics, I think you have a hard time defending that uh, this wasn't a real exciting and kind of Olympic feeling moment as well. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy um, just watching it all sort of transpire. You know, after three rounds, there were, you know, Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes were in that 11-way tie for, for 17th. There was just so many players. And I remember uh, you texting uh, before the final round teed off saying, you know, it was funny how in Rio there weren't any playoffs. And then it was sort of like, yeah, that's right. And then because a lot of people were asking me on, you know, the Thursday and Friday, are, you know, are there ties for bronze medals? Are there ties for silver medals? It was no, 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 there aren't at all. Uh, it, it goes right down to the wire. But uh, in terms of entertainment value, it, it was awesome to see uh, w- what happened. And, and Xander Shoffley, you know, nearly losing it, but sort of battling back a Cameron Champ-esque par on 18, as, as you put it. Um, so good for Xander Shoffley. We'll dive deep into Xander Shoffley's gold medal victory. We'll dive deep into Rory Sabatini's final round of 61, which was mesmerizing, mind-boggling, crazy. We're also going to be joined by Brendan Leonard, who won the inaugural event on PGA Tour Canada McKenzie Tour uh, yesterday out in Quebec. Uh, we'll be joined by him at about uh, 11.15. We'll have winners, weird and what. We'll have 20 weeks of tailor-made. So much to get to. But first, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Well, Bob, right off the top, Xander Shoffley, Olympic gold. And you told his story on, on uh, TV last week where uh, talking about his father and, you know, the accident that occurred and how, just how important the Olympics have been to the Shoffley family. For those, of you who, for those who didn't hear that story, if you don't mind, Bob, telling that again, just because it's such a, a cool story to, to see it sort of come full circle how Shoffley wins gold medal. 
so Shockley's uh, got a, a just a kind of a very wild and interesting background if you look at it in terms of um, his his mother was born in Taiwan and at a young age emigrated to uh, Japan. Uh, Shockley's grandparents still live in, in Tokyo. He wasn't able to see them, unfortunately. He still got relatives all over Japan and in uh, Taiwan. His father was a combination French-German citizen and was a great athlete with uh, actually a, uh, a, a Olympic prospect for the decathlon. But unfortunately, he was hit head-on by a drunk driver who um, the windshield broke, uh, glass went into his eye, he's blind in one eye, and so his father, his Olympic dreams were, were quashed at that point. And so I think there was all this kind of uh, kismet, other than, other than Hideki Matsuyama winning, I think this was as, as good a story as you could have put in terms of, uh, of feel-good, of great moments, of connections to both golf, the Olympics, to athletics, to Japan. Um, so there was a lot going on behind the scenes, but it, it was uh, an emotional victory for, for Shockley, and that's understandable when you consider all this stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and just a, a crazy, you know, the, the way everything transpired uh, purely on the golf course, I, I could arguably say that Shoffley sort of held it together the, at the beginning of the third round where he missed, I believe it was four of the first five greens in regulation. He's sort of hitting it all over the map, but he made up and down for par on, I think it was the first four holes on, in the third round where he was missing greens left, right, and center, but getting up and down. And then you could tell heading into the final round, he had cleaned it up his, his, uh, his long game until that 14th hole. What does it say about Shoffley to bounce back the way he did, given that, you know, he hasn't gotten it done at majors before. And yes, this wasn't a major championship field. There were a lot of the top players in the world, but it was 60 guys. What does it say about Shoffley to finally get it done where he's had past major failures before? I think, uh, I think if you look at, um, uh, listening to him afterwards, he said, he said his, his father is his coach, by the way. Uh, and, he said, you know, um, I, I, we only work on four things. We've got it very simple. We know if one of them is off or two of them are off, that's what we correct. And that's what they did. They went to the range after the third round, and I don't know which of the four things it was, <laughs> probably stance, grip, alignment, or something simple like that. But he corrected it, and obviously it came back. But you could see, uh, even still with that, you could see a couple of those loose swings on, uh, uh, on the lat coming down, especially on the last hole, those wide right swings. And uh, he was lucky enough to correct them. And, and listen, I, I think that wedge shot he hit on 18 maybe as clutch as any shot I've seen this year. I actually said, going in, I said this was, the, not going in, at the end of it, I said this is, to me, the most exciting big tournament. If you could put up all the majors from the past year, uh, this was the one that had the most drama to it. Every, every other major came down to, you know, we kind of knew who the winner was going to be on 18. This time, I don't think we really did until he hit that wedge shot. 100% agree, and it's, it's too bad in a sense that it happened in the middle of the night. Like, I believe Shoffley hit that tee shot on 14 uh, during the final round. I want to say it was 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern, and, and the final putt was hit at, you know, 3.30, and then the seven-way playoff, which we'll get to, which was something amazing in itself. Just, just imagine how much more, uh, you know, let's say, you know, let's say the Olympic Games were somewhere where in the Eastern time zone, people could watch, you know, let's say it finished at seven o'clock at night versus two o'clock in the morning. This is a tournament that we'd be talking about for years and we're still going to talk about it for years, but this is, this was just historically an unbelievable tournament. 
Yeah, and I think I think in in a bigger picture, you know, great for Shoffley, Sabatini for Pan. In a bigger picture, I think now it's 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 a big step towards legitimizing golf in the Olympics. You know, there's a lot of people, both professional golfers and otherwise, who didn't think, and some of them still don't think that golf should be in the Olympics. But I think when you see the drama, when you see the emotion that these guys um, brought out, when you see the comments that they brought out in terms of talking about playing for their country, um, you know, there's there's no prize money on this. All you're getting is a medal or you're going home with nothing. So fourth, you know, fourth is like 60th. It doesn't really matter what you do there. So I, I think this, and if it had been in the Eastern time zone, as you said, it would have been, I mean, a huge home run. Um, but I still think it's it's pretty important of what it accomplished and what it did. Um, I will correct you on one thing, though. It was Please. not the middle of the night. It was it was when, when, it was, when everything was over and I hit send on my column. Uh, the sun was just starting to come up, so it was maybe not quite, but it was five o'clock in the morning when I when I signed off, and I did that uh, as you did. You know, we were up in the middle of the night watching it, but uh, but I couldn't turn it off, and there was a lot of people on social media, so a lot of people tuned in to watch that that uh, dramatic finale of, and especially the seven way playoff. Absolutely. It was, it was awesome to see. And, you know, speaking with friends and some family yesterday and I was telling them this, I'm like, this was the best golf of the year. And they're looking at me like, really? Like this was really, and I said, <laughs> yes, in terms of, I know there were six majors in this super season, but you know, or seven majors in the last calendar year, but in terms of this tournament, in terms of entertainment value, it was awesome. And one thing that's even better now that the women's golf gets underway tomorrow night. So maybe we'll see even more, you know, seven-way playoffs and, and Canadian hopes with Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp uh, looking for Olympic gold. We'll discuss their uh, journey to gold as that begins tomorrow night a little later in the show. But, Bob, we'll get back to the Olympics here in our next segment. But first, a couple other notes for news and headlines. How about Annika Sorenstam? Just completely destroys the field of the U.S. Senior Women's Open. What an unbelievable performance. Yeah, just wins by the eight. <laughs> Her first big yeah. tournament back since turning 50. She retired uh, a while back, and uh, and let's not kid ourselves. I think she could tee it up on the LPGA tomorrow and be a threat the way she is playing. Um, you know, she decided that when she turned 50, she asked her kids and said, do you want, do you want to see me play? And they said, yeah, we would like to do it. She said, okay, well, it's going to take a little bit of commitment. So she's been grinding. She's been practicing. She's been working. Her son uh, is a bit of a golfer now, and so he goes along with her sometimes. But, uh, I mean, I loved Laura Davies' comment and sort of said, yeah, she's doing to us now what she used to do to us all the time. She's just kind of hammering us. And an interesting stat that came up, 46% of the tournaments that Annika Sorensen played in her career, she finished third or better. That's an astounding stat. I never, I, I can't believe that. Third or better in almost half of the tournaments she played. I mean... We forget how good she was, how dominating she was. And at a point, I remember she kind of almost got, um, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but almost bored with with the challenge of it. And uh, that's not to take away anything from any of the other players, but it really does go to show you how, how impressive she is. You know what? That's an astounding, that's remarkable, that's mind-boggling. That's that 46% of her starts all-time finishing third or better. That's, that's crazy to think of, and what an unbelievable performance it was for Sorenstam. And speaking of players who dominated a lot during their prime, Tiger Woods. We had a Tiger sighting out in L.A. Uh, we'll get to Tiger in a little later, uh, a little later in the show, and Winner's Weird and What. Uh, some of his videos have been released from the day before that car accident back in February have now been released, and I'll discuss that in Winner's Weird and What. But, Bob, in terms of seeing Tiger last week, he, st he was still on crutches. He still had some sort of, it was like a sleeve on his, on his right leg. 
but it appeared that there was a little weight being put on that right foot. So cautiously optimistic, perhaps just just in terms of Tiger, in terms of health. Yeah, I think I think it's great to see the fact that there's no big cast on there. Uh, that uh, I, you know, I, I think from the orthopedic surgeons that I talk to, the biggest worry is the is the ankle and the foot as opposed to the leg. The leg looks, as you said, you know, you had a sleeve on there, but it looks like it's more or less healed. It didn't look like it was. Uh, in any terrible shape or I mean from what you can limited what you can see uh, but positive news listen regardless of whether he plays golf again let's hope he can walk again and, and have a somewhat normal life with his kids and everything as as a worst case scenario but we're certainly hoping for the best and glad to see that he's um, he had a smile on his face in a couple of those pictures which I thought was was important as well so uh, nice to see from Tiger. Nice to see from Tiger for sure. And, you know, we've heard from Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, guys who live sort of where he does in Florida, saying he's grinding, he's working. You know, Tiger's too stubborn not to work at it and try to come back. This is an injury that the majority of the population would say, you know what, I'm done. I just want to get full health, be able to walk again. But I'm sure it's in the back of Tiger's mind that he wants to go out. He wants to play professional golf again. He wants to, you know, prove all the naysayers wrong. And he wants to have yet another come back in what's been a remarkable journey uh, for Tiger Woods in his career. But on the other side, we'll get back into the Olympics. We'll discuss Rory Sabatini's Olympic record 10 under 61 en route to winning silver medal. We'll discuss C.T. Pan winning the bronze medal. And we'll discuss the seven players who were in that bronze medal playoff. What an unbelievable Sunday that was at the Olympics. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by smartgolfdeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf. And welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. Well, Bob, Olympic golf. We There are a lot of expectations heading into it. The excitement level, it was high for the men's golf. And let's say it exceeded our expectations. That might be a bit of an understatement just in terms of entertainment value, how awesome it was. Now, Xander Shoffley took home the gold medal rory sabatini yes <laughs> none of us surprisingly picked rory sabatini on our tsn edge picks last week I, I know that might be a bit of a surprise to some we did not pick rory sabatini not many people saw this coming maybe sabatini did you know thinking that he was playing well coming into this week but bob some people might think rory sabatini slovakia how tell us how this connection came to be because his his wife was caddying for him correct yeah she was so it's uh it's a bit of a long strung out tale <laughs> obviously uh rory sabatini was born in south africa uh yep. he came over to, to play at uh, the pga tour he lives in south florida right now to this day he married a, a woman from from slovakia and her father was something to do with the slovakian golf association and at one point, they sort of said, you know, would you ever consider taking out Slovakian citizenship and you could help um, you could help grow the game in Slovakia? There's about 9,000 golfers in Slovakia and I think 26 golf courses. So obviously not a big sport. Um, they, 
he did that, and and I think it's a little. He says he didn't do it thinking about the Olympics. I have my doubts on that story. I mean, I don't. I think he could have helped Slovakian golf without taking out citizenship if he really wanted to. But we'll give him the credit. That's what he says. And uh, obviously, in 2019 or 18, he became eligible to play for Slovakia and go to the Olympics. But at that point, and now, I mean, he's 45 years old. Uh, he hasn't really done a ton of, uh, of, he hasn't played great golf over the last few years. I think he's in that area where you're sort of looking ahead to the Champions Tour, but still playing and grinding it out. And he's had some decent finishes over the last five or six years or so. But um, I still remember him from 2000 when he won the Air Canada Championship. That was his first PGA Tour victory out in Vancouver. Uh, but but yeah, he took Slovakian citizenship and everyone sort of said, well, now you get to play in the Olympics. And he did. And he was in there with that shirt with the uh, bad embroidery Slovakia on the back of it <laughs> and and put in a tremendous performance. I mean, the 61, the one thing we forget about that 61 is he had two bogeys on the cart. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was could have been a 59. And he said afterwards that, you know, the biggest thing he was trying to do was not think ahead, not get ahead of himself, not think about what the number could be. And that's hard to do, I think, when you're looking at a, at a medal and possibly a gold medal at that point when he went in and went in the clubhouse uh, with the lead. Uh, I think that, um, you know, give the guy credit. He's He probably will end up giving a boost to Slovakian golf just by standing on that podium, even though it's not a gold medal. Uh, so it's a it's a wild winding road to get to where he did and do what he did. Uh, but full credit to Rory Sabatini. Full credit to Rory Sabatini, 204th in the official World Golf Ranking, 138th in the FedEx Cup standings. His last five starts before the Olympics, miscut, 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 T67. So it's safe to say none of us really saw this coming, but Bob, like you mentioned, two bogeys and shooting 10 under par. Watching that round of golf transpire because he was playing with Mackenzie Hughes, which we'll get to uh, in our next segment. He was also playing with CT Pan, which we'll get to very shortly. So, uh, but watching that round of golf, it was like watching a video game. It was like he had the ball on a string. He had a hole out eagle on his front nine to make two bogeys and shoot 61. That's got to be one of the rounds of the year as well. Well, for sure. And, uh, and also, uh, on, on 18, walking in his last putt. I mean, he was he was striding. That was that was put Kevin Nod to shame. I mean, he was walking a good two feet before that ball uh, found the cup. So um, listen, he he's a good player. He's he's played and won six times on the PGA Tour. He's no slouch. He's played uh, a lot of big events and and uh, he was you know he's a sort of an outspoken player. He can ruffle some feathers. We all remember what he did with slow play and uh, walking to the next tee and ahead of it. But um, I, I've always found the guy intriguing to talk to. I haven't talked to him in years, obviously, but uh, he's, uh, he's got some strong opinions and, and you, can't, um, you can't discredit him for that. And now he's got a silver medal. So uh, I, I love that. I love this story overall. It's a, just a great story. And you, you mentioned him walking it in. It was as if he, he had a, call it a 12, 15 foot birdie putt on, on 18 to post 17 under. He hit the ball and, you know, the ball's six feet out and his fist is already in the air. It was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it's a good thing the ball didn't break at the last second. But, you know, Rory Sabatini, what an impressive round of golf. For a second there, it looked like gold medal. It was quite possible. We almost saw two playoffs if Shoffley hadn't gotten up and down from 98 yards on the 72nd and final hole. But we did see one playoff, and that was a seven-way playoff for the bronze medal. Now, we should point out, 
Rory McIlroy missed a putt on the 72nd hole, which would have gotten him to 16 under par. Sebastian Munoz also had a chance uh, during regulation to post 16 under par. And then, of course, Hideki Matsuyama, who was playing in that final group uh, with Xander Shoffley and Paul Casey, also had a chance to post 16 under. They all missed. Before we discuss you know, the players in the, the seven-way playoff, what were your thoughts on, on going out in two groups? So they had a foursome go out and then a threesome go out. For entertainment value, put all seven of them out there. Why not? Yeah, that's what I would have thought. I didn't realize there's never been a seven-man playoff in the PGA Tour. The biggest they've had is six, so uh, I guess this is a standard format. But I think you've got to be... If you're in the second group, you'd have a bit of an advantage, wouldn't you? I mean, you see the guys up ahead. You know what's going on. Rory said he asked the official. They told him what, what had happened up ahead. So I think there's, you know, if if you don't necessarily, I mean, I guess everybody's going for it in the playoff, but still, I would have thought there would have been a little bit of an advantage knowing what four guys have already done in the playoff. Uh, but that was the most intriguing part to me, and that's what people were talking about almost as much as as the gold medal. Uh, maybe some cases a little bit more, but it was it was thrilling to me to see these guys and some big names, right? I mean, look at the, look at uh, Morikawa coming off the Open Championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Casey, uh, Hideki Matsuyama trying to do it. And I mean, how many putts did Matsuyama miss down the stretch? He had four or five putts inside 15, 16 feet. Uh, any one of those go in, you know, he could be, if, if two or three of them go in, he could be with the gold medal. But that was the most crushing part for me. And then to see Rory miss that little putt uh, in the second playoff hole or whatever, whenever mm-hmm. when he got nom- knocked out, third playoff hole, I can't remember. I got lost now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he when he missed that putt and it lipped out hard, and the same thing with Pereira's putt that lipped out really hard. Um, I th- as I said, I think I said this line before with, with Rory. He said, you know, I've never played so hard to try and finish third in my career. So, you know, it meant something for them as well. It meant so much for them. And you, you mentioned Matsuyama, and he got one of the worst i mean colin morikawa got an absolutely awful break on the fourth playoff hole you know plugging it into the bunker and he just had no shot from there but the bad break that matsuyama got in the first playoff hole when he hit a shot that bounced over the green into rough like he was 25 feet away from the hole and he couldn't see his ball like he was essentially standing over his ball he almost stepped on it a couple times and as they said on on the broadcast which we'll also get to in a little bit the international broadcast which was a total home run how awesome tony johnson everyone was on that he couldn't see his like he had no shot from 25 feet it was such a bad break but you know just, just imagine how how different or you know how interesting this would have been as well to add to it if Hideki Matsuyama had picked up one of those medals because like you mentioned those putts down the stretch both on Saturday and Sunday I guess that's sort of been his Achilles heel throughout his career right in terms of that the putter just doesn't cooperate at times when he needs it the most. I think from an international standpoint it's great to see CT Pan win because you get people from from all over the world now on that on that podium right you have uh, you have Xander Shoffley from North America you have uh, uh, Sabatini from Europe, I guess, <laughs> and then you have uh, Asia for, with uh, with Chinese Taipei with with Pan. Uh, but you're right. I think I think the two biggest stories would have been if if uh, Hideki had won or if Rory had won. I think mm-hmm. those two would have gone would have been huge uh, impact in in terms of uh, golf in the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. It was it was awesome to see, and and we'll discuss more of these bronze medal participants or playoff participants, I should say, in our next segment. We'll also discuss the two Canadians who were in the field, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors. They had a great showing. Of course, uh, Mackenzie Hughes struggled a little bit on Sunday. 
playing with two guys who shot 61-63, probably not the easiest thing to do uh, for Hughes, but Corey Connors finishing 13th place, a, a great performance by Connors. We'll discuss the two Canadians at the Olympics after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark's Kino is off today. Uh, we're still discussing the Olympic Games and men's golf in the Olympics. We'll get to Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp, who begin their journey to gold tomorrow night in Tokyo. They're both on the grounds uh, in Tokyo and uh, looking forward to seeing what they have come the uh, come tomorrow night when when their first round gets underway just after uh, 6:30 p.m. Eastern uh, once again. But Bob, we were talking last segment about some of the players in that bronze medal playoff and we'll still continue to talk about some of those guys starting off with rory mcelroy who we had the conversation uh, both on radio and television last week just talking about the bizarre nature that rory mcelroy's year has been where he's been going through some swing changes he's played some relatively mediocre and weird golf but he won at the wells fargo championship had a lot of expectations going into the PGA Championship and then sent his first tee shot into the middle of the water at Kiowa Island. That was sort of the story of his week. Um, but then he goes out at the Olympic Games and without a hat, which we'll get to in Winner's Weird and What as well, which was uh, a statement in itself and, and a Rory look. But he played some great golf. And, and like you mentioned, Bob, he's never tried so hard to get to third place. What did you think of Rory McIlroy's week as a whole? Uh, I thought it was interesting both on and off the golf course. I thought uh, on the golf course, I thought he played really well. Uh, he missed a few key putts, which I s sort of feel has been the one consistent we've had in his uh, year so far. It's not so much that he hasn't putted well, but there have been key putts and key timing of putts where he's missed them and they haven't gone in. So that's I noticed he changed his blade. He went back to an old, uh, old more of a blade putter than a, than a mallet putter. And so I think that might stay in the bag because I think overall he didn't putt too poorly this time around. I'd have to, I, I didn't even look at the stats. So I'm saying that just from the uh, times that I saw him on there. And I thought off the course, he was his usual intriguing self. I mean, he basically took back those comments he made in 2016 when he said he wasn't going to watch the Olympic golf because, you know, he wanted to watch the real Olympic sports like swimming and track and field and things. But he's, he's a, now a diehard convert. I think he's he was already talking about uh, gearing up for Paris in 2024 in three years, and I think he's um, you know they, one of the one of the funniest comments he said was you know well they couldn't go anywhere because they most of the players were staying out in a hotel near the golf course they were about 90 minutes from the Olympic uh, Village, but they said to him you know what what sport would you go and see if you could and he said dressage. And I said Dr oh. to myself, dressage? You mean like where the horses do the little prancing and stuff? And that apparently was something that he wanted to go and see. He said he's sort of always been intrigued by that. Now that, that to each his own, that wouldn't have been my first choice to go and see at the Olympics. But um, good for good for him for being a convert. Good for him for uh, playing well. 
Um, I think the Olympics is better when you got a supporter like uh, like Rory McIlroy behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And and he, you know, the comments he made talking about how he's already looking forward to Paris. That's awesome because we heard those comments back five years ago when golf was coming back in the Olympics. When he said he was asked um, if he's going to watch golf in the Olympics. This was after he said he's not going to play, and he said, "No, I'm, I'm going to watch the sports that matter." And it was sort of like. It was sort of, you know, you're taken aback by that. It's like I, Rory's an incredibly honest person in the media. Uh, like it or don't like it, he's going to tell you how he feels. And coming off those comments five years ago to now completely flipping the switch, it's, it's great for golf because I, I, what I'm thinking, and I'll ask you this as well, given what we just saw in Tokyo on the men's side of things, I'm sure we'll see something very similar on, on the women's side of things, You've got to think now that many of the top players in the world, you know, your Dustin Johnsons, your Louis Eustazens, your Sergio Garcias, who said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play. It's in the middle of the season. You got to, you have to think now that they're going to rethink come to Paris about playing in the Olympics. No. I think there's still going to be guys who don't want to go. I think there's still going to be guys who didn't buy into what they saw this time and, or last time. And they, you know, I don't know what, what they're, I don't think there's one consistent reason why they aren't going to do it. Some might just say, well, there's no prize money. Why would I do that? Or uh, why would I want to do this right before the FedEx Cup playoffs? I mean, it's a big commitment when you think of these guys. A lot of these guys are playing this week at uh, yeah. in the WGC event. So that's a bit, bit of a hike. And if you figure like Corey Connors played the Open Championship, then went with his wife and tootled around London and Paris for a week, then went to Japan. Uh, and now is, I mean, they've flown home, they had to get out. There was a rule that said once your event's completed, you had to leave within 48 hours. So he's back, either he's back in Florida or he's gone right to uh, Memphis. But um, I don't think you're going to get 100% buy-in on the men's side. You have it already from the women's and you've had it since 2016. But I, I still think there's going to be guys who just don't see the benefit to playing in the Olympics. And it, uh, for whatever reason, um, they're going to sit out again. You know, Connors hasn't quite had the Brooke Henderson travel schedule, the 51,088 kilometers in a, about, about a month span, but he's certainly racked up some air miles for Corey Connors. And that's the perfect segue because, of course, there were two Canadians in the field uh, for the men's golf, Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. Both were tied for 17th heading into Saturday night or Sunday morning in, in Tokyo, that final round. Corey Connors... Had quite a weekend. Let's discuss Connors first. We'll get to Mackenzie Hughes shortly. But for Corey Connors, his incredible year of consistency, it continued in Tokyo. It did. And, you know, the weekend he had is an outstanding weekend, 66-65. That's going to be pretty good in most golf tournaments, no matter whether it's the Olympics or uh, you're playing your club championship. But uh, the first two rounds were really just not good enough for him. And he sort of said afterwards, and he said this, there was a press conference this morning uh, very early, 4.30 here with uh, <laughs> with Brooke Anderson and Elena Sharp. And I asked them about what they had, you know, they, they met with the guys. They had a little meeting and they talked to them about, you know, what, what tell, me, tell us about the course, tell us what's going on. And the one thing Elena said was, you know, they sort of said it, it's a sprint. Like, you got to go low because there's no sense in protecting, you know, finishing in a top 10 so you can play next week or getting a check or getting FedEx Cup points. He said, you know, you've got to go go low and I think they realize that now um, they tried to do it on the weekend and I think the Sunday scores are really emblematic of kind of what can happen things worked out for Corey although he felt he could have been a little bit lower and then you look at Mac who shot 75 on Sunday but he was going for it too and the shots just didn't come out so that's the risk reward part that you have in something like this uh, I thought 
but I thought Corey overall was was outstanding. I thought he uh, he held himself in there. I mean, he had a marquee group, even though there wasn't a lot of people there. He was playing with Hideki mm -hmm. for the first two rounds. Uh, and again, you know, he's he's deserving of being on the in the top in the world rankings. He's up up in the 30s, and I think he's just uh, just going to get better and better as things go on. And um, you know, the one thing that you have going forward now is there's a very good chance that in three years Corey will be back again. And like Brooke and Elena, you know, you, once you come in, it's a little easier to know exactly what to expect. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the experience is going to help so much in three years in Paris. Now, Bob, there are three tournaments left in two weeks in the PGA Tour regular season. And then we have the playoffs. And obviously, last year, we saw Mackenzie Hughes go on that run to make it to the Tour Championship. <laughs> the way Corey Connors is playing now with all of these top 10s, seven top 10s in the PGA Tour this season, his major performances... You've got to think that come playoff time, if that putter gets hot, look out for Corey Connors for the FedEx Cup. Yeah, I mean, let's hope he's got some uh, some fuel left in the tank. It's been a long year for these guys, obviously, mm -hmm. and uh, I think there's, uh, um, you know, there's. You're right though. He's ranked. I'm just checking here now. He's ranked 34th. He actually went up a spot. He's 34th in the world now, which is his highest point, and he just seems to be fitting in. Um, anywhere he seems to be comfortable wherever he's playing with whom he's playing his coach Derek Ingram told me that he's pushed Corey to go and and get out of his comfort zone and start playing with some of the bigger players so he's been playing a little bit with Webb Simpson in practice rounds you know and that's a strategy that Mike Weir used he used to go and try and bug these guys like Nick Price and, and people like that said can I play a practice round with you because you can learn little things from from those guys who've, who've won majors who've won FedEx Cups who've been in the, in the hunt in big tournaments. And, um, you know, Corey still has some stuff to learn, but his golf game is just beautiful. It really is. And, and it always seems like he's on an even keel, whether he makes a, a birdie or a bogey. It's sort of, he's steadfast. He's, he's in the zone. You never really see him even, even, you never really see him make big fist pumps or, you know, slam clubs. He's always, you know, on that, that mental frame of mind where, you know, if he makes a birdie or bogey, he's going to look the same uh, on the golf course. And that's sort of the same way with Mackenzie Hughes, who obviously on Sunday, he, he didn't have his best stuff. That That's clear. But it's got to be hard for Hughes, you know, on Sunday, given the fact that he played with guys who shot a combined 124 on Sunday and won, won the last, won the bronze and silver medals. Uh, and I, I know you spoke to Hughes after that final round, and you know, clearly he was pretty disappointed with his performance, wasn't he? Yeah, he uh, he said I sucked. <laughs> I mean, <that's> a, <laughs> he summed it up pretty well that time. He just and really he just felt he did. And and again, you know, as I say, when you start to go after it and the things don't turn around, um, you try to force things, and it's, it can be very difficult. And like like Corey, you know, I think uh, Mackenzie's downfall was the not downfall, but his you know after the first two rounds, which were good but not necessarily great, you start seeing things slip away and the leaders moving ahead of you. It's like being in the pool and you you know mm -hmm. you make the turn and you see the other guys have already made the turn and they're up there, so it forces your hand a little bit. And Mackenzie, as we know, as as part of his uh, part of how he's trying to improve is to be a little bit more like Corey and be a little bit more even keeled. He can get a little emotional. He can get a little down on himself. Uh, that's one of the things that Jace Walker, his caddy from St. Thomas, Ontario, has been really good at, just kind of kick him in the pants and say, okay, look, forget about that one. Let's get the next one. And I could see on Saturday a little bit of frustration, you know, bubbling in a little bit here and there, because I think for, for anybody who's in that tournament, any one of those 60 players, you know, you go in there thinking, I got a really good chance to win a medal here. 
and you're thinking about that and thinking about that and thinking about that and then you get to the games and you see it start to slip away um, I'm sure it's got to be a little disappointing for these guys because they they know that they're capable they know they're capable for sure and especially Mackenzie Hughes coming in with top 15 performances at the last two major championships the T15 at the US Open where he's in the final group the T6 at the Open Championship the best ever performance by a Canadian born player a very solid performance at the Olympic Games for Hughes and a very good performance for Corey Connors. Now, Bob, there were a bunch of other, you know, fun little things at the Olympics. It was a bit of a different, maybe, viewing experience for those watching, you know, those listening here on TSN 1050. They're watching it, and they probably heard some some different voices on the uh, on the broadcast. It, it wasn't your your typical, you know, NBC or, or CBS where, where you hear, you know, some of the same voices week in week out. These were some different voices on the international broadcast, and. I know we were texting throughout it. They, they, they gave us a different perspective. They, they, uh, it was just an all-around home run, in my opinion. Anyway, what did you think? Yeah, I, think, I don't think it was everybody's cup of tea, judging by my social media. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's basically at the Olympics, what they do is they have the international feed. So that feed that TSN was, was airing in Sportsnet for a couple of days, actually, mm -hmm. um, basically went around the world, with the exception of the United States, where Golf Channel had their own broadcast. And uh, they brought in some different different commentators. And Tony Johnston, who has been, uh, was a great player in his own right from uh, Zimbabwe, but also uh, uh, was, was was worked with Nick Price as a uh, assistant captain on the President's Cup for many years. One of the funniest human beings on the face of the earth. And I mean, he held back a little bit uh, <laughs> some of the things, but he's also got some good commentary. But I love some of the terms he used. You know. Uh, Somebody hit one thin, and he said, "Oh, that was right in the dentures." And I just—I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did make me laugh. And it's a difficult thing to do because there's three people, and they are calling it without any breaks. There's no no yeah. commercial breaks with those guys, right? They—if you watch, you know, the breaks sort of came haphazardly and sometimes cut off an important shot. But that's that's happens at this end, not at that end where they're yeah. broadcasting from. And when you saw those two rain delays that they had, one for two and a half hours, the other one for two hours, that made for exceptionally long days for those broadcasters. So they're calling every shot that you see for the entire tournament um, from sunup to sundown. And, and I thought they did a, a really good job. And but listen, for all those people who complain about the American broadcast that you don't see any golf shots, you saw a lot of golf shots. You saw a lot of golf shots, that's for sure. And they showed basically every group on the first tee, every group that they showed that the introduction of the three players sort of standing, you know, representing whatever country, this is player X. I thought, I thought that was, a, I know they did something very similar back in 2016 at Rio. They do similar sort of things for the Ryder Cup where the players are sort of standing beside each other. I thought that was a cool way of introducing players as well. Yeah, Elena Sharp said that was the one thing she told Mackenzie and Corey to be aware of because you don't really realize it's a, it's a camera that's basically like, hard to explain but essentially it's on a gyroscope and it just comes right up in front of you and then the guy backs away the guy is kind of wearing the camera and he does the same thing with with all three of the players but that was good and and you know if you are in the olympics uh you want your home country to see you you want whether you're from india or germany or slovakia you know and so i thought that was an important and well done uh piece for for the broadcast and and then of course you know the all the players from each individual uh, nation or country are wearing matching attire and, you know, on, on our show last week on Golf Talk Canada, we were wearing our Adidas official Olympic apparel. 
And we were looking great in red and white, of course. But some of the other nations had um, <clears throat> some interesting uh, outfit uh, selections. Any any stand out in particular to you? Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Australian outfits. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they looked. Uh, I don't know what I thought. They looked like uh, they were in the. They should be in pipe majors or something in the band. Um, the Indian ones were a little colorful, I would say. Uh-huh. I, I thought the Americans were actually fairly. You know, for for all the. All the stuff they take for those terrible Ryder Cup uniforms, they were actually not bad this time around. They were fairly consistent, fairly muted, so I thought they were pretty good. You know, Mark Kino always says the first good decision on the golf course starts in the closet. And, you know, Team Italy, they were going untucked. They they weren't tucked in, which right. wasn't wasn't exactly traditional golf. But you mentioned the Americans, and, and we always sort of joke around that what for the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, there's – they're sort of meh, the outfits are whatever, of course, at Brookline, those brown shirts, which are sort of a, what are you thinking, sort of with that selection. But of course, they're historic shirts now because of the putt Justin Leonard made all the way back then. But all in all, the Olympics, it was awesome to see. And what's even better is that we have four more nights of Olympic golf starting tomorrow evening. Bob, on the other side, 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues here on GTC. We'll update you on how you can win a new putter for the last part of your season here in the GTA. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. Well, Bob, we've had Mr. Butcher giveaways throughout uh, the last... 20 weeks or so on, on Golf Talk Canada. And coming up in the next couple of weeks, we are going to do our big giveaway for Mr. Butcher. So all of our winners are going into a draw, and it'll be uh, a Mr. Butcher barbecue for you and and uh, a group of your friends to, to enjoy Mr. Butcher products. Maybe we'll do a live Golf Talk Canada from the <laughs> barbecue. Might have to you know put some things together for that. But uh, I know, Bob, Mr. Butcher products, you can get really anything uh, for those listening uh, live. It's about uh, 10 to 11 right now. Uh, I'm not sure if we're making you hungry at all. Uh, making me hungry, actually, thinking about eating Mr. Butcher products. But uh, I, I know, Bob, you're a big fan of the products, and, and you love to yeah. enjoy them for sure. Yeah, I've had uh, I've, I've actually just putting in another order this week, f- oh. um, but uh, which is going to include some of Nathan's hot dogs, some double oh, yeah. chocolate chip cookies, some pizza dough. Um, it's also going to include obviously some steaks and yes. uh, veal chops and a rack of lamb. Uh, it's great, great, great stuff, mouth watering, and they deliver it right to your door, which is even better. Which is, that's even better for sure. And and uh, you know, last night my. My dad, who's a big fan of uh, the Mr. Butcher products, uh, he likes to feature them on, on his uh, foodie Instagram account, at Ricardo's Home Grill. I actually walked into my, my parents' place yesterday and saw my dad standing on a chair trying to take a picture sort of below. He, he, was, really, he was really going above and beyond for the Instagram. And you know what? I guess in this day and age of social media. Uh, but no, it was in all seriousness, delicious steaks. Uh, great for the long weekend here, maybe for tonight, uh, if you know, you've ordered a Mr. Butcher, 
Uh, any other products would be a great little way to cap off a long weekend with a nice barbecue. Now, Bob, speaking of giveaways, 20 weeks of TaylorMade, of course, continues here on Golf Talk Canada. We're almost at the end of 20 weeks of TaylorMade. I believe this is week 17 where we wow. are giving away the putter of your choice. So the winner will either, they have the choice between the new TP Hydro Blast or the Spider S putter. So basically a blade or a mallet. And all you have to do to win, follow Golf Talk Canada, follow TaylorMade Canada, Twitter and Instagram, tag your golfing buddies, and we'll announce a winner later tonight on our social media channels. The gift that keeps on giving, Bob, it's 20 minutes of TaylorMade. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Wow. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, it it's really is outstanding all the gear that we give away for for people and uh hopefully they're all putting it to good use you get hear lots of good feedback as well on uh, social media from from the winners so maybe it's your turn this time whoever you are maybe it's your turn and of course our grand prize in just a couple of weeks a complete through the bag fitting at TaylorMade. you get to feel like colin morikawa rory mcelroy or dustin johnson or maria fossey for the day you get fitted for an entire uh, set of golf clubs head to toe team taylor made it's a very memorable experience and speaking of memorable experience coming up after the break we are going to preview the women's golf in the olympics that gets underway tomorrow evening i'll throw a little fantasy or betting perspective your way as well some of the odds some value picks because brooke henderson at 20 to 1 right now that's what she's opening the week Pretty good value there for Brooke Henderson after a T7 at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Now could be a good value play for an Olympic gold medal. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson and much more after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And welcome back inside the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today, but he'll be back next week on Golf Talk Canada when we'll recap the women's golf in the Olympics. We'll also recap next week the WGC as the PGA Tour playoffs are now just around the corner. But, Bob, we just saw some unbelievable theater in the men's golf in the Tokyo Olympics with Xander Shoffley taking home the gold medal, Rory Sabatini taking silver, and C.T. Pan picking up the bronze. As for the Canadian story, Mackenzie Hughes finishing 45th, and Corey Connors, another very solid finish, 13th at uh, last week's Tokyo Olympics on the men's side of things. Before we discuss the women's golf and the Canadians in the field, Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp, what were your thoughts on the golf course itself? Because, you know, coming into it, maybe a relative unknown. I know you and Mark had both spoken to Derek Ingram, who had made, who'd made scouting trips over there uh, in the past uh, year or two years or so, talking about the golf course. But now that we've seen it for four days, what were your thoughts on the golf course? Uh, I, I thought it was as advertised, so you know it wasn't overly long. Let's say, even though mm -hmm. the card I think said 7,400 yards, but 
um, you know, there's a 625 yard par five, and there was a uh, a lot of times where players were, including the first two holes, where nobody hit a driver. I think I think one drive. I think I saw. I think maybe. I think maybe Rory Sabatini had a driver on Sunday. Anyway, there was one driver off that I saw off the first tee. So, you know, that part of it I, I sort of understood. And then the greens were uh, big. They had some fairly bold slopes to it. I thought it played pretty well. I thought I think they set it up very well. Kerry Haig from the mm-hmm. PGA of America did the job, and we, we kind of consider him to be the best in the business at doing that. And I think the fact that there was a 61 and a 75 on Sunday – Proves that it was uh, that it was there if you could hit the right shots. I don't. I'm not sure if there was uh, anything. You know, there wasn't anything messed up about it. And, and I, I think basically, if you could hit the ball on the fairway, um, you had a chance. And the rough was really the, the main defense of, of the golf course. I think. Yeah, and I totally agree. And one thing that I really liked how the way Kerry Hag and, and the team set it up was the the different variety of how long they could make some of the par fo- par fours like we saw the drive a couple of drivable par fours the sixth hole was drivable every day and then on sunday the 17th hole with the bunker in front sort of fairways on both sides a big greenside bunker which uh, xander shoffley got up and down for the birdie to, to take the lead on sunday i i love the variety of that the golf course uh, could bring with so many different tee decks and it was in great shape. They had nobody had played it since May, so that was pretty good. And I think talking to uh, talking to to Brooke and Elena this morning, they have both played practice rounds, and they thought it would actually play it into their hands. Now it'll be a little different for them because they'll be able to hit driver on some of the holes where the guys are just too long on it. And both of them are hit are big hitters. They both hit it a long way. So if they can put it in the fairway, um, that could be a big advantage for them. And and I think uh, you know score a score a notch on the Canadian side. For both those, uh, both those players who looks like this course is going to favor the style of game they play. Yeah, so the women's golf gets underway tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Brooke Henderson is teeing off at 7.25 p.m. Eastern tomorrow night with Lexi Thompson and reigning U.S. Women's Open champion Yuka Sasso, while Elena Sharp is off about 40 minutes before Brooke with Kelly Tan and Anne Van Dam. We'll discuss both Canadians now, starting with Brooke Henderson. Last week on our show, we spoke about how, how you know, this is sort of a ball-striking paradise, this golf course, where, you know, hit it in the fairway, hit it on the green, and we thought that really favored Corey Connors. He played very well. We also discussed how it would really favor Brooke Henderson. Coming off what's been a very solid year for Brooke, five top tens, the victory, T7 at the Olympics in 2016, putting all those expectations on herself. What do you think we'll expect from Brooke Henderson come Tuesday evening? I, I think she's uh, seasoned, let's say, after being at the first Olympics where she finished seventh, as you pointed out a couple of times. You know, she really put a lot of pressure on herself to perform and to try and get onto that podium. I think she, you know, we forget it's five years ago. She was 18 years old. She wasn't all of that experienced in, in worldly about golf and, and those, these kind of competitions. So uh, you cut her a break on it. I think she's learned a lot about her game. I think she's learned a lot about how to play. Uh, I still think she's pumped up. Having talked to her this morning on the press conference, she was, you know, she's she's excited. And, and as, as is Elena. Uh, they're excited to be Olympians. They've been out at the golf course. Uh, if you look at Brooke Henderson's Instagram, you'll see her jumping up in the air right in front of the, uh, the the rings. But I think she's wiser and smarter about knowing when to attack, when to hold back. And again, I think it's going to be almost like a regular 
PGA Tour or LPGA Tour event where it's going to come down to her short game to, to determine how she plays. And and you mentioned as well in hour one how Connors and Hughes gave the Canadians Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp some advice about go 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 go. And you'd have to think if it turns into a shootout, Brooke Henderson has to be one of the favorites because you know she's one of the top players in the LPGA in terms in terms of greens and regulation, birdies and eagles. The lower they go, advantage Brooke. Uh, I always remember the most famous comment for me that Brooke told me one time. She says, if I don't play aggressive, then I'm not going to play. And that's, you know, as we said, you have to, you have to put the pedal down right from, from the first tee on, on the first round because you've got to get low. And there's no, there's not going to be, you know, I don't know how many 61s there'll be in, in, in this, this week. I, I, there could be. There was one at the last major for Zhang uh, Yun Lee. So, I mean, six. I forgot the six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that this is a shootout. And, you know, as I said, fourth place is like 60th place. It's great. Listen, you take pride in finishing seventh in the Olympics. That's a great achievement that Brooke had. But I think she wants more than that this time. So, uh, and Elena, too. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we tend to overlook Elena because Brooke has played so great and has so many victories. Uh, but Elena, I think, is geared up for this as well. And, and she's a big hitter as well. So we shouldn't forget that. Mm-hmm. Definitely shouldn't forget that. And Elena Sharp had a great start to the kpmg women's pga championship back uh, in late june with two rounds in the 60s um finishing t25 at that major championship she's been playing some great golf recently and bob i know she's also worked on her putting a lot as well which has sort of really helped her in this uh, transition uh, i guess to uh or help her game now uh moving forward into the olympics and now the rest of the season correct that's right, and the one advantage she's going to have is her coach is is been deemed as the national team coach for Canada. It's not Trista Mullally who covers coaches the women, but but Tristan doesn't work with either of these two players, so they thought, well, why not bring one of their coaches? So they got Brett Saunders down there, and Brett was the guy who spent uh, a long time on the putting green. Like like when I say a long time, I mean like three or four days solid working on putting with Elena a couple months back. <laughs> so I, I think that. Um, I think that Elena has really dialed this in and, and and sort of targeted this for a great performance. So she's got a lot of things going her way, a lot of positivity. Um, she uh, she and her uh, her wife uh, Sarah Bowman they went down to the Olympic Village. They came in early. They didn't go home from the Open Championship. They just flew right in here and they went down to the Olympic Village and they spent some time with um, the women's basketball team with who they had played. Uh, with who they had ruined before the last time they were all in the same kind of complex in, in Rio. So they had some friends there and they, they saw some, some people that they saw at the last Olympics. So, um, you know, they're really into the Olympic spirit, which is good, but, but I think, um, game time now. And the one thing that both of them talked about is dealing with the heat. We saw that mm-hmm. with the men's side, you know, it's punishingly hot. It's up at the high thirties going around. So they're, they're, you know, prepared for that. They're, I will say, I think the Canadian teams, are exceptionally well prepared, both men's and women's. They've, the, the national team program has really given them a lot of tools, and uh, and I think both both uh, players will be will be ready and set on uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, whatever it is. Well, and, and you know, for us here on Golf Talk Ando, we always do our CSN Edge picks the week of, generally for the PGA Tour. Last week was for the Olympics. If those listening want to place a little wager or thinking about their fantasy team for the Olympics. Elena Sharp is coming in at 275 to 1 right now. And for Brooke Henderson, she is the, looks like the 13th shortest odds right now, which is kind of crazy to think the wow. amount of value that they're putting on for Brooke Henderson at 20 
to one. So a lot of major champions ahead of her, but 20 to one for Brooke Henderson. But Bob, big picture, you know, this is the second time these two will play in the Olympics for young girls around the country. This, the, to play, you know, have the, the, the spotlight on you, the showcase event that is the Olympics. It's unbelievable to think that, you know, what Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp can influence so many young kids, whether it's men or women, uh, you know, starting the game to think, hey, one day I could play in the Olympics. One day I could be a, a Brooke Henderson or an Elena Sharp. It's, it's great that, you know, so many of the women's top players in the world uh, or a lot of them are at the Olympics and can provide and can be an influence for young people around the world, correct? Well, you know what? All you have to do is look at, uh, in the Olympics, it's been a, a huge boost, but but go back and talk about influential people. Uh, Sayuri Pak from South Korea has spawned this wave of unbelievable players from that country and who are now Olympians. And the defending champion, of course, is MB Park. And you look at... Um, uh, you know Lydia Ko, what she is doing, and and uh, from New, in New Zealand, and I mean there are so many cool stories about what is happening and how they're inspiring. And and there were all sorts of young women watching Annika Sorenstam win the Senior Open the other day. But I think uh, I think what Brooke is doing um, in in terms of the the little Brookalikes that you call them or Brooks Brigade, whatever you want to say, um, is is pretty cool. I like. I'm glad that I'm seeing her too. And there's RBC has an ad with her on right now that's been running mm -hmm. on the TV, and I said, I said to someone the other day, I said before that I started seeing those, you know, you see Bianca in like ads all. There was just a commercial on this on this station, I think, in one of the breaks where she was talking about it. But you see her for Sleep Country, and you see her for all these different ads, and there's nothing really for Brooke. You haven't really seen a lot of, of ads with her, and she is equal, if not bigger in in sporting mm -hmm. achievements and success and stature in my mind compared to Bianca that's you know it's a little you can never compare them uh, com perfectly mm -hmm. but I'm glad that she's starting to get some attention and she should get more about that and if she was ever to win a medal if it was ever to win a gold medal look out look out for sure she's the all-time winningest Canadian professional golfer 10 LPGA Tour victories one major championship she's 23 years old next on her mind is an Olympic gold medal she tees off tomorrow evening at 7:25 p.m. Eastern uh, as for Elena Sharp she's off about 40 minutes earlier looking forward to seeing the women's golf tomorrow night in the Olympics. And in terms of the favorites, as the, the odds makers are making it so far, Nelly Korda is the favorite, followed by Jin Young Ko. Defending gold medalist in B Park is the third favorite to win. Bob, on the other side, we're going to switch gears a little bit. The McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, is back. Brendan Leonard took home the title yesterday uh, out in Quebec, and he's going to join us after the break. We'll discuss his victory and his mindset here going forward for the rest of the summer here in 2021. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks, Mark Sacchino, 
is off today. Well, Bob, we've been t- discussing the Olympic Games in detail, both the men's and women's, uh, the men's golf uh, wrapped up this past weekend. The women's golf gets underway tomorrow evening. Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp are Canadians in the field. Brooke Henderson finishing T7 at the Olympics back in 2016, while Elena Sharp finishing T30. We're going to be switching gears here to the McKenzie Tour, which is back in action. Uh, obviously, COVID has, has done a lot of things to a lot of different uh, industries and, and, uh, and tours, that sort of thing. But, Bob, before we're joined by our guests here, it's great to see the McKenzie Tour back in action, isn't it? It is. Um, you know, they, I know they've got the Forum Tour in the States and the, and the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada up here. Uh, but it's great to see. I was looking through the lineup of names that were playing in this event, and it was it was pretty impressive to see a lot of really young up-and-coming players, but also some vets, uh, you know, Derek Gillespie and Ian Doig and some of those guys who've been around as probably as long as I have. And, um, but, it, but I, I'm glad they have a place to play. And, uh, it's, it's important for the development. If we want more people coming up on the PGA tour and, and corn Ferry tour, uh, we need these kind of places for them to allow to cut their competitive chops. We sure do. And, you know, looking, it seems like week in, week out, we're talking about a Canadian doing well on a professional tour, whether it's the Corn Ferry Tour, the European Tour, the PGA Tour, and now the Olympics. But the McKenzie Tour just had the McKenzie Investments Open uh, out in Quebec this past weekend, finishing up yesterday. Brendan Leonard, your champion. We're pleased to now welcome Brendan to Golf Talk Canada here. Brendan, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the win. Not sure if that went through, so we're we're just dealing with a bit of a technical difficulty here. The uh, you know, Bob, as they say, you know, it's the joys of the home studio. Sometimes, sometimes things things don't work. But uh, for for Brendan, Brendan Leonard went out and won this tournament. Uh, It's great to see the McKenzie Tour back in action. Another notable player also playing that was Jamie Sedlowski, who won the World World Long Drive four times, and now he's. He's, uh, he's been a couple years now in to try to cut it as a quote-unquote regular professional golfer. This, he's an intriguing story just to see someone who can absolutely rip it as long as he wants. But now he's trying to dial it back, so to speak, and be a re- to be a professional golfer trying to score. Yeah, and top 10 finish as well, which is pretty impressive. So uh, he's, well, I think he's an interesting guy to watch. He's going to play a number of events from what I'm told, so it'll be cool to see what he can do. Now, I know in the past he was working with Peter Costas as well. So he's, he's had some different uh, uh, minds helping his game. And for, for Jamie Sadlowski too, he's, he's very fascinating because, you know, he has a hockey background, being Canadian. But you'd think world long drive, maybe six foot four, maybe six five, maybe 250. Sadlowski's what, 5'9", 160? Like, he's not a yeah, big guy. It, yeah. He just uses his flexibility really well. He uses his levers really well. Um, when you watch him hit it, there's not much left in the bag. And he's actually got a very entertaining show that he puts on as a long drive guy. It's, it's, uh, it's really wild to watch some of the things that he's done. And, um, man, he can, he can really hit it. Now, to make this transition, of course, you've got to have all the parts of your game. But it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit like Bryson in certain cases where he's hitting it that far down the way where he can... Um, he can get an advantage, but you still, even from there, you got to be good from in. You got to putt well, you got to wedge play well, and so that's the kind of stuff that he's learning. But he's determined to try and do this, and and um, you know he's he's still doing some of his long drive stuff. Although I gather in COVID, it's kind of been restricted because he used to make a lot of money over in, in Asia, 
putting on his long yep. drive exhibition and contests and stuff. But um, but still, I give the guy full credit for trying to make this transition at this point in his career. And there's also that great viral video when he was doing, uh, he was at Golf Channel probably five or six years ago now. And, and he was, and they're doing a, sort of, you know, just like a playing lesson in their simulator. And uh, the host at the time was Gary Williams. And he said, you know, Jamie, you know, rip one first and he hit a bomb here and he did and you know what happened bob the simulator broke on live television you <laughs> went right through the screen he hit his tee shot right through the screen which is just unbelievable how far uh, or how hard that ball must be going I, I don't know what his numbers are have you ever seen his numbers i don't know what the what the track man numbers of speed and all those yeah. kind of things would be but they'd be pretty high i'm saying i'm thinking yeah, ball speeds in the in mid two fifteens. You know the wow. the swing speeds in the one forties. It's kind of and you know what? It's funny you bring up the speeds, the swing speed, and the numbers for us golf junkies, if you will, and watching Bryson DeChambeau doing what he's been doing to go from you know a, a smaller guy to now to was the incredible bulk, and now he's sort of toned it down weight wise, and now he's not quite the Michelin man anymore. But you know now he kind of looks like a regular human being. But watching him, you know drive for more speed, drive for more distance, you know, swing speed training sessions, hitting eight irons and hitting ball speeds in the 160s when the average ball speed with a driver on the LPG on, on the PGA tour, excuse me, is 169 miles per hour. It's uh, it, it just, it puts a different perspective on golf, doesn't it? In that the sense that there are so many ways to, to hit it around, but people are going to try whatever it takes to, to be the best they can be. When everyone tells me about, you know, you got to be a long hitter to, to win on the PGA Tour, I always ask them, I said, okay, here's a question for you. Who's the fourth ranked person on the career PGA Tour money list? Do you have any idea who it is? Do you know Adam? I, I think I do. Um, okay. I, I, I could, yeah, Jim, Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk. Right. I mean, yeah. Jim Furyk, you know, was playing up until on the PGA Tour up until last year. I mean, he sort of made the switch now over to the Champions Tour. So, it just it doesn't matter how far you hit it it's how many strokes it takes you to get it in the cup so it's um there's lots of ways to play the game and certainly i find if i hit it farther <laughs> it's a little easier to play but but uh it's um it's it's an interesting look at at what bryson's done what all sorts of long hitters have done and now still seeing some short hitters uh, who can play the game absolutely absolutely okay so we're still working on getting brendan leonard on the phone just having some technical issues here but we are going to segue here briefly bob to other uh, canadian golf talk and that's the fedex cup standings now there are three weeks left sorry two weeks left in the pga tour season and three tournaments there are two events this week and then last next week is the last in the regular season schedule before the fedex cup playoffs get underway looking at the current fedex cup standings Corey connors in 27th mackenzie hughes 64th adam hadwin the great uh, finish at the 3M Open at 107. Roger Sloan at 137. Michael Gligic at 142. Nick Taylor at 147. David Hearn at 160. After Hadwin's great finish at the 3M Open at 107, you've got to think he's safe to get inside that 125 uh, and get his card for next year but for roger sloan at 137 that's where things get a little interesting yes he'll have some status if he finishes at 137 but you know he's one he wants to get inside at 125. well yeah there's there's two things at stake here really and and one is that you want to keep your your privileges for next year and 125 gets you in but 126 to 150 also gives you a fair number of starts but the other part is just to get into the fedex cup playoffs because there's a whole truckload of money <laughs> these guys can win so there's really two things going on here two things at stake and it's not 
um, it's not as cut and dried. Now, for a guy like like David Hearn, you know, he what he wants to do is get himself into uh, as far down as he can do um, the. Uh, so when he goes into the FedEx, or sorry, the Corn Ferry playoffs afterwards, which is the second way to get your card back, you know he wants to have a lot of chances to do that. So I still think all these guys are going to be pedal to the metal. Um, I saw Adam Hadwin took a nice holiday. He went to Yellowstone Park with his wife for a week, so he's going to come back fully rested. And important for him to move up, even though he's secured his card, because the further he can get in there, the further he can go in the playoffs. Be easier to do. That's right. And you know another intriguing name for us here in Canada is Nick Taylor, and he's at 147 right now. Of course, he got had that victory right before COVID shut the world down, and that was in January, February of 2020 at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Uh, so for Nick Taylor, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, 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 what sort of brings up for him. Now, I understand we have Brendan Leonard on the phone now. Brendan, uh, can you hear us? Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we, 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 have, we, have, we have you loud and clear. Apologize for the technical difficulty. Sometimes uh, things just don't work, but now we're here, we're alive. And more importantly, we're talking about your victory yesterday at the McKenzie Investments Open. Congratulations on the win. Take us through your final round, because I, I know it was a pretty jumbled up leaderboard, was it not? Yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, it was. Uh, I mean, I started the day five strokes back, so my goal was just to get off to a really hot start. Uh, I was lucky to birdie hole two, three, and four, so I was able to do that and had a three-foot on eight and kind of fell back a bit and then bogeyed the 12th hole, and that's when I kind of looked at the lead. I hadn't been looking at the leaderboard, but I looked at it that, at that point and kind of realized I was three back and needed to come in pretty strong, so I told myself to try and snag a birdie on 14 or 15, and uh, I was able to grab one, and then I hadn't looked at the leaderboard at that point, so... I figured the number was going to be somewhere around 9 and 10, and uh, luckily I was able to uh, just kind of commit to trying to birdie the last two holes, and once I got off the green, I realized uh, I had a two-shot lead, so I was quite surprised. Uh, it's a great, great performance, and congratulations on getting that win. I understand you've kind of been um, making, making your living playing on some of these smaller tours. Uh, I know you played in, in Quebec and you've played on the Toronto Players Tour and had some success everywhere around, around there. What's, what's life like for you on this kind of a level of a circuit? Uh, it's busy, um, stressful, but uh, I mean, it's, it, it, it is a job, but when you're out there, it doesn't really feel like a job. It's just something I, I love doing and can do every day. So, um, I, I enjoy it, um, but I've been playing. I've been playing really solid the last two years. So uh, every tournament I go into, I just I kind of do the same thing and just take every shot one time, one at a time, and just try and win every event that I can and just keep making as much money as I can to keep the dream going. We're in conversation here with Brendan Leonard, the latest winner on the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada at the McKenzie Investments Open. Now, Bob mentioned the Toronto Players Tour just there. I'll be totally honest with you, Brendan. I actually grew up with Russell Budd, um, who runs that tour. Just talk about the importance of that tour in itself to, to give you a place to play with very, very solid paychecks and, and very good fields for on, on a weekly basis. Yes, I, uh, I owe a big thank you to Russell. He, uh, I mean, when the pandemic kind of hit, he, he kind of stepped up to the plate and gave us a place to play and somewhere for us to compete and pretty much play every week. So, I mean, I, w I don't think I would have been able to play that final round the way I would have without the prep that I've had the last, uh, I guess, year and a half. So 
But really, uh, he's done a great job of setting us up and giving us a place to play on quality courses. And, you know, he's a rules official out there in the McKenzie Tour, so he knows how golf courses should be set up. So I, I was pretty familiar with how pins are set up, where to be hitting the ball, where to not hit the ball. So, I mean, I, I owe a big thank you to Russell. And, uh, yeah, he's just you gotta you got to be able to play every single week and kind of get into that competitive spirit and to come down the stretch and understand what needs to be done to uh, come away with a win. Uh, in that same vein, obviously the McKenzie Tour is going to be a, a popular circuit. It's mostly Canadian players from, from what I've seen on the leaderboard so far. But uh, you're going off to play next stop uh, in Osprey Valley in a couple of weeks and then out to Prince Edward Island. Are you planning on doing the whole circuit right across Canada? Yeah, I'm going to try and play everyone. I uh, set a goal when they came out with the schedule to uh, to get a win and to try and come first on that uh, order of merit and secure a full status next year. So I'll be playing every single event. That's awesome, Brandon. Well, you know, we've spent the majority of this show talking about the Olympic Games. And golf is obviously back in the Olympics. We saw Corey Connors finishing 13th, Mackenzie Hughes finishing 45th. Obviously, Xander Shoffley winning gold, Sabatini Silver, CT Pan Bronze, Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp get their Olympic journey underway tomorrow. But for you, do you get any inspiration uh, watching you know, these golfers from Canada play in the Olympics to think, hey, maybe someday that could be me too? For sure. I mean, uh, I, I grew up playing against those guys. I mean, when we were juniors, I would guess that would have been more of an afterthought. But um, just to see the rise that they've had and the, the quality of golf that they play and, I mean, the, the, the lifestyle that they have, um, it's definitely something that I would love to be able to do and just keep chasing and grinding after. Well, well, Brendan, uh, thanks for your time uh, today. I know you're on the road right now uh, on your way to your next stop. Uh, congratulations on the win. Hope you enjoyed the celebrations a little bit, and we'll talk to you again uh, down the road, and uh, good luck in the Osprey Valley Open in a couple weeks. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Brendan Leonard, the latest winner on the PGA Tour Canada McKenzie Tour at the McKenzie Investments Open. Again, the next stop for that tour is the Osprey Valley Open in just a couple of weeks. On the other side, it's our favorite time of the show. No shortage of weird and wacky in the world of golf. It's winners, weird and what that's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort, Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off this week. Well, Bob, it's our favorite time of the show. No shortage of craziness in the world of golf, as always, this past week. It's winners, weird, and what, and this week you... Have the tea. 
So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, Adam, my winner this week... Uh, as you mentioned, no shortage of stuff coming out of the Olympics, but my winner this week is C.T. Pan. Now, he didn't win the gold medal, but he did win the bronze, and he won the playoffs, so he's already a winner in that respect. But what I loved about what he did was he had his wife caddying for him. Uh, they are thick as thieves, those two. They, they travel and do a lot of stuff together. So she carried the bag for him, and I noticed down the, the, the last couple of holes and in the playoff, all of a sudden I look over and I see C.T. is carrying, like, four clubs in his hand, but that's walking off the tee. You know, you and I might do that if we park our bag somewhere and our ball is just over the green. You have to bring a wedge and a putter or something. But apparently the story was that the bag was getting heavy, and I can understand that after four days in that heat, and now you're going into a playoff, uh, CT took the four wedges out of his bag, and he carried them to lighten the load just a little bit for his bride. And then we were playing, of course, with, uh, with um, uh, Rory Sabatini, and uh, Rory had his wife canning for him. And so, of course, he had to do the same thing. So, uh, gentlemen, these, these two were, and uh, letting them, letting, giving their wives a little bit of a lighter load when they were carrying their, uh, their bags along. Yeah, it was, you know what, it was funny you mentioned that. I think it was the 10th hole in the final round where Sab- Sabatini was carrying his own bag down the fairway. I, yeah, which, which, was, which was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, my weird this week goes to uh, our good old friend Cam Smith and his mom. Oh, yes. And in the pre- one of the press conferences, <laughs> you can't make this up. I'm laughing already. Someone said, in, in the, I only saw the transcript of it, so I'm reading the transcript. It says, I'm sorry, this is a bit of an odd question, but um, is it true that your barber's name is Lee Trevino? And Cam <laughs> Smith gave a one-word answer. He said, yes. And that was it. And I'm going, So here's the guy with his crazy mullet who had, by the way, on, this, on the very short side, uh, Australia or the AUS, cut into his head, and he tells everyone that his barber's name is Lee Trevino. You could not make that up if you tried. I mean, I would never, I just laughed entirely when I heard that. Oh, it's hilarious to think that his barber's name is also Lee Trevino, but for Cam Smith, like, why are you wearing the visor then? Show off the <laughs> AUS on this. He's got this mullet, which is either beautiful or disgusting, whatever way you want to look at it. But, you know, take the visor off, show that mullet off a little bit more. As far as mullets go, it is a beauty. Yeah, I, I think that would look good on you, Adam. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. And my what is, what are the odds of two players in the same group making holes in one? Ooh. How, how about back-to-back holes in one? Ooh. So at the Wildwood Golf Club in Toronto here, or just outside of Toronto, uh, there was a two-person match play event going on. 18-year-old Jack Williams steps up, hits his shot, and it takes two hops and goes into the cup. How about that? Everyone goes wild, hole in one. They saw it go in. Pretty exciting stuff. Well, not to be outdone, Nick Carrero, 72 years old, steps up, takes a swing, and yes, into the cup. Back <laughs> to back, hole in ones. And as I said at the start, you know, what, what are the odds? Well, the odds, in fact, are 17 million to one on that happening. Now, I will preface, I will end that story by telling you that at my course at Weston, that has happened twice in the 49 what? years that I've been a member there. And one was in a match. So you imagine you make a hole in one and all you get is a half. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there's so many things to unpack. One was 18 years old and one was 72 years old, correct? Yeah, isn't that crazy? 
that's just the beauty of golf, right? In, in the fact that any age, any skill level, you can play together, back-to-back aces, 17 million to one. Bob, as the, as the kids say, you love to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All that, all right, Adam, the tea is now yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. I have to give a special shout out to Phil Mickelson there. He came up with a commercial, which I think we'll show on TV this week, where he is flexing those calves. And <laughs> yes, he did. It's, it's something, but uh, I'll leave that little teaser just for TV uh, this Wednesday on TSN. But my winner this week is Tiger Woods. And ti- the videos that were shot the day before Tiger's car accident back in February are slowly being released by Golf Digest. Last week, uh, he was a, a video with uh, Jada Pinkin Smith, the uh, wife of Will Smith. And this past week, uh, Dwayne Wade was featured in these uh, videos where it's Tiger essentially giving a playing lesson. Uh, they're on YouTube. They're about 20, 25 minutes long. I would highly recommend them because watching Tiger, the coach, it's actually quite mesmerizing because he really simplifies things. You know, it's whether it's the sense of moving your club a little flatter or steeper, that sort of thing. Or maybe as simple of an adjustment as moving your foot open, foot open, uh, you know, to clear hips, that sort of thing. But it's also great to see because it's Tiger interacting with great athletes. You know, talking to Dwayne Wade about, you know, how you're going to react to a shot. Um, you know, from one of the NBA's all-time great players and an NBA champion. So, Bob, have you had a chance to, to see any of these videos? They're, they're quite good. I haven't. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I looked a little bit of the Jada Pinkett Smith one. I saw a bit of that, and I thought it was pretty intriguing. And I think, you know, if Tiger, if, this thing, if he never comes back to play, he's going to make a pretty good coach somewhere along the line, too. And now I can understand, obviously, why uh, his son, Charlie, plays so well, too, if he's getting lessons from Pop. Yeah, getting lessons from Pop and, and uh, especially green reading too. Tiger had some really interesting tips that I, I'd highly recommend our audience go out and, and search that uh, on YouTube. Okay, my weird this week, going back to the Olympics. Justin Thomas, obviously, he was one of the favorites going into the week at the Olympic Games. Wanted to go out and make a bunch of birdies, be aggressive. So what's he do Wednesday evening or Thursday during the first round? He makes 18 pars. No bogeys, no birdies, no eagles, no aces, no triples, no doubles, just 18 Pars. There have been 17,000 rounds on a PGA Tour this season. Five times it's happened where a player has parred all 18 holes. After that round, Justin Thomas was asked, how would you summarize your day? He said one word, par. <laughs> he's, he's very frank, and I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's a, it's actually, you know, in, you think about it, you think all the, the good bounces, the bad bounces, all the things that come into, into play in a round of golf, it's pretty hard to do. It's very hard to do to make 18 pars, especially for a man of that skill set, a professional golfer, one of the top players in the world. Ended up finishing T22 when he did make that first birdie on on uh, Thursday or Friday, I guess, uh, in Tokyo. He had a big celebration. That, yes, I finally made a par. So uh, good for Justin Thomas. Now, I mentioned this earlier in the show. My what this week? Rory McIlroy going capless. No hat for Rory McIlroy. Now, it looked like he got a haircut about a day before the event, so... He, he had the high and tight going with the gray hairs, which is still really weird to see Rory McIlroy with gray hairs. But you might think, Roy, like, why, why aren't you wearing a hat, Rory? And now he put it that he has a very small head and that Nike has to make custom hats for him, which I didn't know. 
And so, because we've seen it as well in the Ryder Cup in the past, where McIlroy and some other European players choose not to wear hats. So I guess the the Irish manufacturers for the the Olympic Games or whoever was supplying the hats just couldn't make custom hats in time, or Roy just wanted to show off his his new haircut. Yeah, or he didn't want to wear an Adidas hat on a Nike contract. <laughs> it could be, although maybe although he was wearing he was wearing a, an Adidas uh, shirt, and the and the logo was right there. So there's no big thing that way. But I. I um, I don't know about that small head. I've never heard about that one. I always just assumed it was because of the, the clothing contract. He wanted to try to minimize what he had. But um, I did notice on Sunday when he was coming up, he was his face was pretty sunburned by the end of the day. So that without that brim on there, he took a little bit more of the glare uh, off that shiny forehead. Yeah, he certainly did. You know, there was always talk about the, the golfer's tan where, you know, there, there's that sort of viral image that came out two or three years ago now where Stuart Sink was was taking his hat off and the entire he's he's a bald guy and his entire you know scalp was was white was very white and it's his face from his from his eyes down where he was tanned so you know it's always the funny golfer's tan and I, maybe Rory wanted to even out the face tan a little bit uh, bold strategy if that was was your case but uh, you know Rory we we saw some interesting uh, uh, stuff happen at the Olympic Games Rory McIlroy never tried so hard to finish third. Just came up short in that playoff, but uh, the men's Olympic, uh, men's golf in the Olympic Games was certainly thrilling to see. And looking forward to the women's golf getting underway tomorrow evening. Well, Bob, on the other side, we'll re- we'll finish uh, today's show with some leaderboard updates and another preview for the women's golf getting underway tomorrow night. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant. And you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Time for some leaderboard updates from the world of golf. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in golf. Bob, over to you. All right. Uh, we had on the European Tour the I. SPS Honda World Invitational, which has um, men and women playing at the same time. So there were two different winners here. Uh, Dan, as best I can figure this out, Daniel Gavin's uh, English golfer was uh, 13 under par, one stroke better than David Horsey, and uh, three better, two sorry, two better than four other golfers, including Alejandro Canizeras. So good for him. And I got to switch over to the women's leaderboard, um, but I can't do that. I'll do that in a second. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take, take over. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, we'll go back to you. Yeah. So the, uh, the the Olympic golf, of course, the men's golf in the Olympics. That was this past weekend. Xander Shoffley, your gold medal winner. Uh, one shot ahead of Rory Sabatini. Who saw that coming? Rory Sabatini with a 10 under 61, an Olympic golf record of, with the silver medal. And C.T. Pan coming out of the seven-way uh, playoff for the bronze medal. What a performance that was for C.T. Pan. As for the Canadians, Mackenzie Hughes finishing 45th and Corey Connors finishing 
13th. As for the McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, Brendan Leonard, who joined us a little earlier in the show. A final round, 68 to win by two shots over a couple of players, a bunch of Canadians all in the top 10, including Jamie Sedlowski, who we mentioned a little earlier in the show as well. The four-time world long drive champion is now giving it a go on the regular uh, professional circuit, uh, if you will. Bob, how's the Wi-Fi going over there? <laughs> it's going well. I've got the U.S. Senior Women's uh, Championship, Senior Women's Open Championship, which we talked about earlier. Annika Sorensen, the big winner, 12 under par, beating Lisa Lott Neumann uh, by just the eight shots. Now, there were four Canadians oh. in the event, unfortunately. Uh, none of them made the cut, but we shouldn't acknowledge them anyway. The great amateur Judith Karinas and Angela Buzminski, who uh, is from Oshawa, Ontario, and was one of the last left-handed regulars on the LPGA Tour. She now makes her living in California, uh, working at a golf course there as a teacher. Uh, Lori Kane was also in the tournament, and... That's the last I can find there. I thought there were four, but it looks like there's only three. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, speaking of leaderboard updates, 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues here on Golf Talk Canada. We are giving away the putter of your choice, either the TP Hydro Blast or the Spider S putter. We're giving that away a little later today on social media. Follow Golf Talk Canada. Follow TaylorMade Canada, Twitter, Instagram, and you'll be in the draw to win. You're not going to want to miss the prize we're giving away this Wednesday. It's a big one. It's not quite the grand prize. But it's a, it's a pretty good prize, Bob. That's all I'm going to say. And what prize is that going to be? You'll find out watching Golf Talk Canada on Wednesday, TSN 4 and 5 at 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Bob and I again. We'll be recapping the men's golf in the Olympics. We'll have a little preview. We'll discuss the women's golf in the Olympics as well. As well, two weeks left on the PGA Tour regular season. There's a WGC this week. There's a Barracuda Championship. We'll have our TSN edge picks for the WGC. And if you missed that airing at 1 p.m. Eastern on TSN 4 and 5 on Wednesday, maybe you're playing golf. Who knows what you're doing? We're also on at 5 p.m. Eastern on TSN 2. Set your PVR. Get ready. It's going to be a fun one. Bob, out a minute left here. Any final thoughts on the men's golf in the Olympics? It was thrilling. Uh, it was thrilling, and I'm looking forward to the women's golf. And I want to put this out there because just so people don't fill up my Twitter feed, uh, the golf will start at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow. That's Tuesday, which is actually Wednesday. The women's golf is running Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday because the closing ceremonies are Sunday. Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. on TSN2. So tune in, watch that, stay up late with Adam and I as we watch right through to the final struts and uh, enjoy it. Maybe we'll get another thriller like we did with the men. That's right. Elena Sharp, 6.41 p.m. Eastern. She'll be early in that broadcast window tomorrow evening playing with Kelly Tan and Van Dam. Brooke Henderson off about 44 minutes later at 7.25 p.m. Eastern with Lexi Thompson and reigning U.S. Open winner Yuka Sasso. Going to be a fun one for sure. Let's see if the Canadians can get on the podium. Uh, and I think I think Brooke plays with Lexi every week, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like that? <laughs> she it plays seems... with her a lot. I don't know what the yeah, deal is. But... Yeah, they play with each other a lot, but uh, we'll see. Let's see if we can get a Canadian on the podium for the women's golf. Bob, it's been a fun one. Thanks for the show today. We'll talk to you later this week for television. It's going to be a great show. Everyone, thanks for joining us here on Golf Talk Canada. we got ESPN Radio coming up next right here on GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, 
visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.